Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here, Hawks Insiders. It is a couple of days, 48 hours or so after the uh, another disappointing night. Another Docklands disappointment for Hawthorne, losing by seven goals, 19-11-125 to 12-11-83 at the hand of the Western Bulldogs. We're here to do our weekly player ratings, and it won't be a particularly joyous one, I don't think, but to talk me through all of it are my fellow members of the Hawks Insiders. Andrew Weiss, hello. G'day, Ash. Very happy to be here once again, and I actually quite enjoy doing these after 24 hours plus of being able to just wrap your head around what's happened, especially given that we're losing every week. So that that pure emotional, um, you know, the negativity that comes around a loss has gone for me uh, and I'll probably be uh, more positive than I would have been 24 hours ago. But um yeah, still plenty to take out of the game and, and no doubt we'll get through to that as we as we scroll down the numbers. Um, well, we do get standard cues. We're looking uh, too much through rose-coloured glasses. So we'll see whether 48 hours is enough time to re- remove some of the venom and some of the sting. Danny Prince, hello. Evening, uh, Ash, and evening, Weesey. Uh, there's still a bit of venom here, so it's not, it hasn't all washed off over over this I'm, side of the fence. I'm so. fearing if we took an average, if we took the average ratings of the eleven or so players you'll do against the eleven or so players Andrew will do, uh, we could get rapid. The, the, the averages could be interesting, but we will get into it. As long as you don't uh, give Weesey Jager O'Meara, I think we're okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it all. Uh, we'll see how it all uh, plays out. Starting as always, go in numerical order. Now the deal, we rank him one to ten. Um, we start with Harry Morrison, who had sixteen disposals, four marks, three tackles, did not score. Um, he had twelve. He had four, four contested possessions, four turnovers, four intercept possessions. Hundred one minutes on the ground. He had two one percenters. Did not attend a centre bounce. Danny, kick it off for us. It was a pretty meh game by Harry, wasn't it? I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't rate it very highly. Um, I'll come out with the rating straight away. Five out of ten. Um, just gets a pass mark. I thought he was pretty decent early when we were decent, and then, like Harry Morrison does, he magically disappears when the going gets really tough. And that might be harsh, but um, he he looks good when we look good, but he he rarely looks good when we look bad. He's not a um, man for the trenches type player. And uh, I think that really showed in that second and third quarter. Um, I don't have the, I'll pull up the quarter stats, but he, he had one touch in the third quarter when we got slaughtered. And that probably is a perfect summation of how I see Harry Morrison as a player. He also, when he goes at 16 or 17 touches a game, like that's fine because Often his disposal efficiency is good enough that they're valuable, but he went at 50% on Friday night. So when you're having a meh game, as you described it, Prinzi, as it is, hardly seen, like half of your touches are ineffective. Yeah, and it's not like he's getting the hard balls where it's quick kicks out of a pack. He's generally getting it with uh, either on from a mark or he's getting it out out wide uh, with plenty of open grass in front of him. So he's got to be better than that. If he wants to keep his place in, in the team, he has to have a high disposal efficiency. 
Number two, Andrew, is Mitch Lewis. I figure he'll figure quite highly. Uh, 15 disposals, he had nine marks, two tackles, four goals to 80% time in the offensive half of the ground, six contested possessions. Um, he had two turnovers, zero intercept possessions. He, three of his marks were contested. Four of his marks came inside 50. Uh, I think we would, I would say he was Hawthorne's best player on the night. Sometimes when a player signs the contract, that is the, a, a contract extension, that is a sign from to go into the tank for a considerable period of time. But yet again, he kept his goal-kicking streak going. Yet another game of three or, or more goals a game. A terrific performance from him, the absolute shining light of the team. It really, really was. It's so good to see, you know, the form that he promised a few years ago come back to the fore. Um, and off the back of, you know, that four-year extension, I think you mentioned, Ash, that there's been a bit of salivating and tongues wagging going on at some of the quality key forwards in the comp, the young key forwards. And, you know, Kerno and McKay are um, fawned over every single week. King, King... Like, we've got our very own, and I, I wouldn't trade Lewis for any of them. Like, from where he's come from and where we've got him to, he's really, really exciting. I think the other thing I really, really liked about his game was he managed to take a number of marks much further up the ground. So he was working really, really hard to come higher up through half-forward and on the wing. The only criticism would be that often, um, as a big fella, when he has the ball there, he takes too long to move it on to that next play and, and players go streaming back. And obviously as the key target, then he's not there to, to get a bomb in long. But um, he works so hard. I gave him an eight and a half out of 10. Thought he was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was a, a terrific game. That is a deserved ranking. Um, number three, Hawthorne, Tom Mitchell, 22 disposals, 10 kicks, 12 handballs, four marks, four tackles, a behind. He had 77% disposal efficiency, uh, 10 contested possessions, five turnovers, one intercept possession. He had, uh, what else of note, six clearances, two of those were centre clearances, 21 centre bounce attendances. Danny, take it away. Well, we were slaughtered in the middle in the second and third quarter, and that's when the game was lost. And uh, more often than not, he was either, yeah, he was either part of it. He was part of the group that got smashed. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't really rate his game. I didn't really rate many of our midfielders' games. Um, there was some time late in the in the last quarter where he just spent on a on a half forward flank. I don't know how, what that achieves. He's not very good around goals. He's not super creative. Um, we had, I think, about 15 messages in our WhatsApp group during the game from Brad saying either play him in the middle or play him at Box Hill. Um, and there's some actual, there's some merit to, to that. It was ranting, but there was some merit to what he's saying. You've either got to play him in the middle or you've got to, you know, move, move him on because um, he adds no value in the forward half. Um, and I, I think since he broke his leg, his defensive side of his game has just gone so far downhill. He doesn't chase. And if he gets beaten to the ball, that's it. He just, he's, he's gone. Um, so 
Yeah, not not great. I'll I'll give him a pass because he got the ball twenty two times and he at least got twelve touches in in the second and third quarters combined. But I don't think many of them were great great touches. He didn't influence the contest. So I give him a five. I thought it was the first time that I actually looked at Tom Mitchell and said, I actually, if, if, if someone came to walk at the end of the year and said, we want to get rid of him, oh, we'll, we'll take you off your hands. I'm happy for it to happen. I, I think he, I, I put this in the rankings that he's increasingly the square peg in the round hole. Yeah. And it doesn't help that the biggest area of, of need that we have in rejuvenation in a rejuvenation sense is the middle and uh, both he and Jager um, kind of feel like they're just sort of treading water there until the next generation take over. And I'm all for, I mean, we all know what my position is on playing the kids. I'm all for just getting them in there and playing them. So um, if that means we've got to move these guys on a couple of years earlier than maybe we would have hoped, that's what we're going to do. Well, I think Amir, right. I talked to Amir, he's had a, I think Amir has had a better year. I think Amir has worked really hard to find a, second and third string to his bar. I'm not sure it's working as well for, for Tom Mitchell. I think he's a one trick pony, Tom. And that he was very, his trick is a very good one. And he's been very good at it. For, I mean, he's a Brownlee medalist, so I don't want to put too much disrespect on his name, but I think the game's just kind of gone past him. At least our game style has. So I subscribe more to Brad's theory. And that is of all the other players that we've talked about, like the Jagers or the Chads or the, you know, we talk about Bruce and Gunston and who could have been traded, should have been traded. Given where our midfield currently sits, I still think you should just be playing Tom Mitchell in the gut. I agree with everything you've said about him being a one-trick pony, about, you know, playing up half forward and being able to work back the other way. Like, all of that sort of stuff, totally agree with. But it wasn't long ago where he missed and... Sam Mitchell said he was going to come back, play in the gut. What game was that? He was best on ground by a mile. It's like, okay, like that, that's his position. Play in there. So we're complaining every week about our midfield getting absolutely slaughtered. I totally subscribe to playing the kids in the midfield. But just give him five, six, seven games in a row to show that he's still got what won him the Brownlows and all the PCMs. Play him in the gut. If you do that, he could still be part of that midfield for the next three or four years. Uh, we'll talk more about this in the spaces on Wednesday night, but uh, Rob McCartney was quoted on Fox Footy. I think John Ralph spoke to him today. I think it was on one of the Fox games today of the halftime show. Some interesting quotes about their, they zero interest in moving on. The, the few remaining veterans they have, zero interest in moving in them on now because they're They've worked out their role in the team and they're playing a lot of kids. But this is more general discussion, not really too fun. But uh, this is a discussion we'll have about uh, Tom Mitchell, I think, ongoingly on the spaces in particular for the rest of the year. Jarman Impey, 17 disposals, uh, four marks, three tackles. He had uh, 77% time defensive half, 82% disposal efficiency, two turnovers, four intercept possessions. Um, 245 metres gained. He did not, of course, have a centre bounce attendance. Um, Danny, we sort of threw this figure around. That he, I've had this sort of feeling that Hawthorne loses, tends to lose more games than usual when he plays, and he's sort of a symbol of the battling Hawthorne. Um, but the stats are that Hawthorne's been in the club is around 
same as when he played something like that. But uh, I'm starting to lose a bit of faith in Jum. If you had to write his game the other night. Thought he was another one of our uh, back line that ha- had their um, colours lowered. Uh, I, I, I feel like he's second-guessing himself in a lot of what he does at the moment. There's no... You remember Jars pre, uh, pre his knee? He would be a bit of a bull at a gate and he would like he would get caught sometimes a bit like um, an informed CJ does, um, but he would make a decision and he would back himself. And I feel like at the moment, he's got all of these competing thoughts going through his head and nothing is ever clean or decisive. It just seems like he's a bit, bit headless chook out there. And yeah, he, he wasn't good. I mean, he got the ball enough for somebody like Jarman Impey, 17 touches is okay. Um, but they were, Again, that were that were really nothing touches. I didn't feel like he was a real contributor to any of the um, sort of plays that resulted in, in in scoring chances or goals for the Hawks uh, on Friday night. So I'd I'd give him a, a five. I've, that's all I've rated so far. I'll give him a five. Andrew, this is your uh, account. James Warple, twenty five disposals, which comprised nine kicks, sixteen handballs, one mark, three tackles. He had 56% disposal efficiency, 16 contested possessions. He had five turnovers, two intercept possessions, four score involvements. He was at 21 centre bounce at tennises. That's equal clubhouse leader. Uh, three, three tackles, including one tackle inside 57 clearances, three centre clearances. What do you make of his game? So it's really difficult because this wasn't. PCM James Waffle, but this was probably the best game he's played for us this season. And even though he didn't seem to have as much of an impact when we were getting smashed through the second and third quarter, I thought he was great in the first quarter. The numbers that are really important, you mentioned 16 contested possessions. He had seven clearances as well. He really worked hard. I thought he really worked hard. Um, you mentioned in the um, in the main recap, Ash, in your notes that clearly going going back to Box Hill for a couple of weeks has helped. Um, and I mean, like I said, it wasn't a brilliant performance, but I think he's one of the few, uh, the handful of players that could probably hold their heads high. So uh, I've given him a five and a half. I think there's plenty to work on, but um, he certainly wasn't disgraced. Dad, do you have any thoughts on Warple, given he's always topical? I, th- I think he was a bit better than a five and a half, actually. Um, he wasn't super clean, but he was ferocious at the contest and he got his hands on a, in the in the guts a lot more than most of our other midfielders. I, I mean, you know, who am I to tell Weesey how to how to score a player? But I would I would give him closer to probably six and a half. Uh, I thought he was I thought he was pretty solid and. Um, Probably him and um, I'd still say Newcomb were probably the two best out of our midfielders on the day, on the night. I thought, I thought his industrious warple. I thought he, he battled really hard. There was a, as a, a level of desperation to his game. And what I liked about it was a couple of, a couple of uh, uh, not, not clean possessions, but he sort of brushed them off and went again. Whereas I think when he was having his confidence slump earlier in the season, if he, if he, if he, Mucked around, mucked up a couple of possessions. He went to his shell a bit, more. And, and just you could see the confidence being set from his body in front of us. But I thought he, I thought, uh, I thought he was, he was much better in that respect. So an encouraging performance, and he hopefully and should get a run of games 
between now and the end of the season. James Sicily will be divisive, I think, because there were people who thought that he played pretty well. Other people thought it was one of, perhaps one of his most disappointing games of the season. 22 disposals, of which 21 were kicks and one was a handball. Nine marks, zero tackles. Um, he had four contested possessions. He had two score involvements. He had uh, all his marks were uncontested. 519 metres gained. He had, uh, that's probably about the main gist of it. Andrew, talk about the acting deputy vice, uh, the acting vice captain, as I assume he was the other night. Yeah, I'm for the, I'm on the good side of the fence with Sicily. So the, the rose glasses are well and truly on, which, uh, which might help when you ask Quincy what he thought. Uh, look, I, I felt like, um, obviously, when the, the chips were down, there are a lot of players who weren't performing and this has always been someone who wears his heart on his sleeve. So one of the biggest questions, and certainly in our group, and on, on social since we posted the recap, you know, there are a number of comments about lack of leadership and how poorly he actually played. And um, I, I've taken the count of you. I, I feel like, especially early days when every... Uh, let his emotions get the better of him. There was such an immaturity about it. And I feel like, and, and Sammy Mitchell said exactly the same thing in his press conference. Like he's able to handle that and control that now. I think that some people would look at some of the stuff he was doing with Norton and the hot headedness and say, um, there's no need for it. But I feel like he controlled it. And when he was doing that for me, it was actually a sign. He was the only person getting seriously frustrated about how badly we were playing. Like he was the only person to outwardly show that he was ticked off. <laughs> Just make sure I keep it uh, PG. Um, that, that he was so ticked off that, you know, he was willing to like, let it show and fight for the fact that it wasn't good enough. And as a team, we couldn't do anything to to turn it around. But at least he showed, oh, I actually think he's the only of our older group that showed to everyone else that he was pissed off, that it wasn't good enough and that he was willing to take a stand. So I looked at what he did and went, you know what, of all of the so-called leaders that we're supposed to have, he's the only one that's shown that uh, the way we were playing and our effort shouldn't be tolerated. I actually think the rest of his game was quite good. So, you know, 21 of 22 kicks at 90% and over 500 metres gain. Uh, I think, again, isn't wasn't the best James Sicily game we've had this year, but I also think it puts him in the top half of players we had on the ground. Uh, I want to make this a debate between everybody, between all, both of you about every player, but I am interested in your views, Danny, on, on Sissers going. So I didn't think he was terrible, um, but I have a few comments to make on Sicily's game. I thought, and look, I was up in um, the top tier of uh, Marvel Stadium on the 50-metre arc, um, the way that the dogs were kicking in the first quarter. Um, so I got some really good, um, a really good vantage point of the way he attacked the footy in the air and he and CJ both ran under the flight of the footy 
on numerous occasions when flying for marks. So his timing or something was out in the in the contest mark all night. Um, I felt like if you look at his stats, you go, yeah, it's a pretty decent Sicily game, you know, 22 touches, 21 kicks. We want the ball in his hand. We want him kicking the footy because he's a great kicker of the footy. But I felt like his possessions, they might have hit targets, but they weren't to the advantage of his teammates for most of the night. Um, or they were just like switch kicks and cheap, easy ones. I felt like he really, I kind of disagree with Weesey on the flying the flag sort of thing. I feel like he kind of played fake tough guy and he only really got stuck into Norton um, without really like letting his footy do the, like the physicality of his footy do the talking. Um you know, I don't think you need guys, you know, starting malaise, wrestling, taking headbands off, whatever. Like, it, it is what it is. But I, I, I didn't see any value in, in him contributing that to, to the contest. And I just thought a little bit like Impey, he looked, he, he looked indecisive all night. And I think the match committee has a bit of a part to play in that because we keep playing Sicily as a secondary key back, he should be our third key back who can leave his man to impact the contest right now to on, on Friday night, he was either playing on Norton or Hugo Hagen when he should be playing on somebody like Tim O'Brien or Josh Shackey, whoever their third rotating tour was and give them the lack of respect they deserve, leave them and impact the contest where, you know, the dogs are going to kick to. And it, takes away his great strength and it actually contributes. There was no harm in playing um, Denver Granger Barras um, and James Blank on Norton and Hugo Hagen and having Cicely as that third man up on Friday night. And it, it baffles me that we went that way with selection and I'm now angrier because of it, because I think it negatively impacts the way James Cicely plays. Luke Beveridge did say pre-game on the radio. So I was listening to him as I was walking to the ground that, um, he thought that they they one of the few occasions for the year they actually thought they were taller than their opposition and that they were was, yeah they, yeah they looked at their side and you know I think you make a, a, a valid point about uh, about Sicily I'm not sure maybe the venue you can't get damage right at the venue that might be part as well I don't think he played uh, yeah, he's been so good for the season um, you, you give him a mulligan and you put almost yeah absolutely I'm not I'm not going to the debate is now of course in the I know that uh, Sam Mitchell and Waterpoint Luke Hodge signed off on on his uh, on his uh, episode with Norton. Argy Bargy. Argy Bargy, yes. But just brace yourself for a week of and it was always starting in the post game on the radio and listening on the train on the way home. Has James Sicily proved he's not fit to be Hawthorne's captain based on that? So that's the discussion that uh, we braced ourselves for this week and, and Sis unfortunately you know and now once again it's Hawthorne firebrand James Sicily in, in the paper so that's sort of the, the downside you know he, he's gonna, he, he, he'll get marked like he does with umpires he'll get marked harshly wouldn't be surprised if he drops out on the base of one bad game he'll drop out of some of these you know rolling all Australian teams this week and it's quite sad he's been so good I mean Hawthorne's best player for the season um, positive the positive to what you were saying, Prinzi, and I totally agree, you know, I think that third man up role where he doesn't have to be accountable for a defender can read the play and intercept Mark all day long. The positive when we get to him about James Blank's performance is that now between Frost, Hardigan and DGB, 
he should never have to be one of those first two defenders. Let's hope you're right. We are going to be forever if we uh, don't move on. Uh, number nine, Chankwath GF. 16 disposals, uh, six marks, one tackle, kicked a point, four contested possessions. He had um, six turnovers, five intercept possessions. He took no contested marks. He uh, 265 metres gained, three inside 50s. I, I thought it was one of his quieter, more disappointing games for some time. Danny? Thought he was terrible, terrible. And I'll 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 preface it by saying, CJ, if you're listening, you are one of my favourite players. I, I rate you incredibly highly, and this is why what I say next, um, you know, is is so um, thought well thought out. Like, I've I've thought about his game a lot, probably too much since Friday night. Um, he looked like he was playing with a wet ball on a wet field while everybody else was playing under the roof at Marvel. He looked like the ball to him was a bar of soap. He couldn't handle it. He looked fumbly. He looked like just like he just didn't want to be there. And, um, and like I said, with Sicily as well, every time he went to go uh, impact a contest, he would jump too early and, and the ball would go over the back of him. He wouldn't actually be able to impact the contest at all. And um, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think just write that one off, forget about it, CJ. And hopefully he's better next week. <laughs> Cause I thought he was, I thought it was a really poor game. Breaking. Give him a three and a half. I know that we're not all talking about every player, but I have to say, I reckon CJ provided me with, the worst moment of I know the what you're game. About, and you're right. He came to come across the other side of the ground, which was fine. He started running, which was absolutely fine. He had numbers free, which was absolutely fine. But he ended up running 30 meters from defensive 50 to defensive 50. And every single Bulldogs player came back to this side of the ground, were covering opponents. And instead of maybe just stopping or going back the other way he just kicked it and he must have kicked straight to a dogs player he, he kicked it to an area of the ground that there were four dogs players and not a single hawk i don't know After what he was running looking at. 30 meters and it was just horrendous so yeah was write shot. it off move on cj number 10 jay gomera 21 disposals uh five marks three tackles did not score at 11 contested possessions uh, two turnovers, one intercept possessions, one goal assist, two score involvements. He took, uh, I said, all these marks were uncontested. One mark inside 55 clearances. I said, three set of clearances, two stoppage clearances. He had 18 centre bounce attendances. Andrew. I love how, regardless of whatever order we're going in, you always find a way for me to get Jager. Uh, maybe that's an attempt to bring my Ray overall ratings down and get those glasses off. Yeah, again, like here's an example of not looking at the stats because 21 touches and half of them contested and yes, some clearances, yes, some inside 50s. But he's the guy that, again, time and time again, we talk about where are our leaders standing up when we need them? And through quarters two and three, we got absolutely mauled through the middle. 
he was pretty good in the first quarter. He was semi-decent when it was done and dusted in the last. Where was he to stand up when we really needed him and needed that body? And uh, plenty of hospital kicks. Uh, yeah, like, I think I've come to accept what Jager is and is not, uh, and he's more in that is not for me. Uh, and I gave him a four out of ten. Yeah, as I said, I reckon he's he's had a good season and a consistent season. Just uh, again, like a few few of his mates, that was probably his uh, it was his Barry Crocker for the season. Also, in his first game after signing a new contract with the football club, Connor Nash, sixteen disposal, four kicks, twelve handballs, that comprised one mark, four tackles, eighty-one um, percent disposal efficiency, uh, twelve. Five contested, 12 uncontested possessions, one turnover, two intercept possessions, five score involvements, 112 metres gained. He had six hit outs because he did a little bit of ruck work at one stage. He had 13 centre bounce attendances and 11 ruck contests. Danny? I thought he was okay without being good. So he was, yeah, he was just okay for me. I think. He, I love, I love the concept of Connor Nash, right? Like 197 centimetre midfielder, covers the ground well, tackles hard, um, has a real defensive side to the way he plays, structures up well um, defensively at centre bounces for if um, Reeves um, doesn't tap it to advantage. And we need to talk about Reeves uh, and his ruck work uh, a, little, a little bit later on. But um He's often just a handball first guy. He doesn't often get disposals outside of the contest. So he doesn't have huge impacts um, on, on a lot of chains. Um, I thought he was actually watching him at the ground. He actually um, is a good ruckman to have around the, uh, like around the ground because he's strong as an ox and um he once the ball hits the deck, he is a midfielder. So um, he won a few hitouts, like you said, he won six hitouts, which I think is if you could, as a second ruckman, run win six hitouts, but also provide an extra person who's good with the when the ball's on the deck. I think that that's that's a win for the Hawks structure. Um, but he just wasn't amazing on Saturday. I'd give him a five. Number thirteen, Dylan Moore, sixteen disposals, six marks, eight tackles, two goals, one. 64% offensive half, five contested possessions. He had one turnover, two intercept possessions, seven score involvements, two goal assists. He took one contested mark, according to this, uh, zero clearances, four centre bounce attendances. Andrew? Yeah, what can I say? He's elite and loves to kick a goal. Uh, I think, again, not his greatest performance, but he was very good and one of our better players for sure. I think some of those pressure acts, uh, you mentioned the seven score involvement, eight tackles, um, the, the goal the goal that he kicked in the first quarter where he was running back with the flight and took that courageous mark, running back with the flight and then played on in the goal square was outstanding um, and was clearly... One of our best, um, 
worked hard up and down the ground all night. I gave him a seven and a half out of ten. Next guy, I think, was Hawthorne's best player of the night. Jack Scrimshaw, 26 disposals, 13 each of kicks and handballs, 12 marks, one tackle, 10 contested possessions. He had uh, two turnovers, 13 intercept possessions. Uh, of his marks, three were um, contested. Uh, 203 metres gained. He had 102 fantasy points. I think led the Hawks in that. Five rebound 50s. Um, Danny, I thought he was our Hawthorne's best player on the night. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And I think um, without... Um, without dwelling too much on the second and third quarters, he was one of the guys that really stood up when the ball was just getting palmed in there. And the the 12, I think it was, was it seven intercept marks and three contested marks? And I'm tipping that all three of those um, contested marks were from opposition kicks as well. I think they, uh, I th- he read the ball beautifully in the air. He was so strong in the contest aerially. Uh, he was one of our better users on the night. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I rate him incredibly highly. I thought I gave him a nine out of 10. I think the amount of football that was getting pumped in and with the so little pressure around the ball, uh, the, the deliver of the ball um, from Hawk midfielders. Um, you know, we were we were in for a hiding. And I mean, we copped, I think, 13 goals on the trot, right? Um, so we copped the hiding. But um, he, Scrimshaw and Hardwick were probably the two that really, um, I think, can walk away. After, oh, and probably Blank can walk away from that game and go, yeah, I, well, like we got smashed, but I, I think I did my job. They won't be happy with the result, but they should be happy with their performance. I thought he was fantastic. Blake Hardwick uh, had 11 disposals. Um, six marks, one tackle. He had, uh, what else did he have? Eight uncontested possessions, it says here. Um, all these marks were uncontested. He had uh, no other numbers really to speak of, except for the fact, as you pointed out to me, Andrew, that he totally and utterly took Cody Waitman to the cleaners. And the more I think about it, and the more like, so what I've done is I've gone back thinking maybe like Cody Waitman's just not having the greatest season. Like maybe this notion that um, it's not such a big deal to have done the job on him uh, is maybe a little bit over because there's a bit of negative talk about Hardwick the last couple of days. So I went back and had a look and, and Waitman's last seven games, he's kicked five goals going back. Five goals, two goals, two goals, zero goals, two goals, zero goals, five goals. So in five of his seven goal games, he's either kicked bags of two or five. So then when you piece that together with the fact that they comprehensively smashed us, but they won by seven goals and we kicked four, five of the first six or whatever. So, you know, what was that? Like a 12, 12 goal turnaround from, from, the start and to go, he had one touch and one mark. Hardwick absolutely slaughtered him. And then you go back and look at some of the, the vision and he just wore him like a glove the whole night. So, yeah, I think 
you know, obviously we just talked about Scrimmer and we've talked about Mitch Lewis, but in terms of his role, uh, I think undeniably Blake Hardwick did his role brilliantly um, and was outstanding. I, I gave him an 8 out of 10. I don't want to undermine Blake Hardwick in any way, shape or form because he took uh, Cody Waitman to the cleaners. But I have to wonder if Waitman was properly fit after that elbow injury where he dislocated his elbow last week. Um, he he was anonymous as. And like you said, Weesey, the ball was in there too much for him to be that anonymous. And he's too good of a player for him to be that anonymous. So whether that's all down to Hardwick or whether um, Waitman was, you know, probably um, not 100% fit, who knows? I think he had the m- more spoils than any of our other players. Um, so it was up there in the spoil side of things. And um, yeah, I think despite not not getting near it, I think he had a, a, at least one clanger Waitman as well because of the pressure he was put under. So yeah, I mean, I, I agree clearly. It looked like he'd be missing weeks when he did that injury last, last week. But yeah, I think Hardwick absolutely monstered him. We could have used another Hardwick to play on Riley West. We made him look like a Brownlow medalist. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't realise he was that good of a footballer. He absolutely towed us up. When the coach's votes come out tomorrow, I'll expect him to figure very, him and Liberatore to finish very, figure very, very highly. Um, next up for Hawthorne, Lockie Bramble, 16 disposals. Four marks and a tackle, kick to behind. I think he had he was one of those players who missed a shot for goal. He probably should have converted. Um, two contested possessions. Uh, he had two turnovers, one intercept possession, 464 metres gained. He, uh, that's a, probably about two inside 50s. Uh, Danny, what's your break of his game? I thought he was decent. Um... I, I actually I actually quite liked um, patches of his game. I think he's still really um, we've got to remember with Bramble, he's 24, but he's really still adjusting to AFL footy. Um, was he paid like 10, 15 games, something like that? Um, yeah. and, and really in, and really injury interrupted year this year. So um, you know, I think I, I was happy with that output. I think if we get if that's what we can build on for the rest of the year, um, he didn't set the house on fire, but he just did. He just had moments, and it was his eighteenth game. Yeah, eighteenth. So there you go. Um, and and he had he had moments where he uses his speed well. He evades players really well. A couple of sidesteps, which got himself out of traffic, especially early in the first quarter. I thought, here we go. Um, you know, went a little bit quiet in the second and third, like the rest of our team. Um, but. Um, there was enough there and he uses the ball so well. I was, I was a bit shocked. He missed his two shots on goal because he just is just a beautiful kick of the footy. But um, yeah, I think he was, he was all right. I'll give him a five and a half. Uh, Dan, I'm going to give you the next player as well. Um, partly because you share a first name and partly because I feel that we see always talks about this guy most weeks as well. So I want you to talk about <laughs> Daniel Howe. What a fresh perspective on him. 20 disposals, 15 kicks, five handballs, seven marks, a tackle, didn't score, 75% defensive half, five contested possessions, um, eight turnovers, five intercept possessions. All these marks were uncontested, two score involvements. Um, yeah, we, we talk about him all the time. 
it'd be really 343 meters game. A, a fresh perspective on Dan Howe, please. So I don't see the point of Dan Howe. Um, he's had 20 touches, and and I think like what what where was he? What did he do? And what impact on the game did he actually have? And I think it's the same as when Tom Phillips is in the team. Uh, at this stage of where our club is at, I don't get the point of playing guys like that who are not going to be in our best 25 if and when we win our next premiership. So um, he was he was fine, right? But like, what's the value, short, medium and long term, of playing Dan Howe, who's what, like 27, 26, 27? He's a bit of a vanilla, nothing kind of player that doesn't really give you any inside grunt can sometimes if the tide is going the right way and the wind's blowing in a certain direction, lock down on a player when they go forward. Uh, he's had a game every now and then that's been really good, like a shutdown on, on Dangerfield. I mean, they could have chucked him on Bontempelli and seen if he had any impact because Bontempelli his forward 50 entries were driving me insane. But yeah, I, there was not, there was nothing there. There's, there's nothing there. I, Dan Howe shouldn't be playing and I, I hope and I sorry Dan but I hope he doesn't play again for the rest of the season rating? can I ask well can I uh, rating? Yeah, rating sorry oh uh, four okay so Prinzi given that you're our list guru given the the age profile of our current group and how especially at the end of the year we might see a few of our older guys drop off the list at 26 turning 27, does he luck into another contract in terms of then that age profile and keeping some level of experience within that age profile at the club? Because normally you'd say that there's no way in the world he should get another contract, right? I didn't think he should get another contract last year. Um, and I thought he would go... There was rumours of, I think, Sydney and maybe Rich, Richmond, 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 Richmond. Um, who were interested in him. And I thought, go on, take the contract and go, um, you know, greener pastures and all of that. Because what he does give you is he's a good utility who can play in a variety of different positions and plug a hole. But the damn walls burst with the Hawks at the moment. We're, we're not trying to plug a hole. We, we're, we're rebuilding the wall. So there's no real need for our list right now for a Dan Howe type player. I get the idea of that age group and, you know, having to have uh, throughout your, you know, your list build, having to have different players at different age groups and stuff like that for leadership and um, the cycle and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I would be saying, I would be saying, just let him go to another club and play uh, if he ever is fit for a long period of time, Connor Downey on the wing instead of him. Um, you know, just give just give some of these other guys more time in his position because there's no long-term value for the Hawks playing Dan Howe. I'd be staggered if he's at Hawthorne next year. Um, number 22 for Hawthorne, Andrew, Luke Bruce. He had 15 disposals, 11 kicks, four handballs. Three marks, three tackles, three goals. One, two came during the uh, last quarter when the mercy rule should have been long been applied. 60% disposal efficiency. Uh, he had uh, six contest possessions, three turnovers, one intercept possession. He had 289 metres gained. He had actually 
had two set of bounce appearances. Tens, I noticed in the last quarter, they swung into into the middle a little bit to see just to see what we could go on there. Um, you thought he did okay. I wasn't such a fan. I know he kicked a couple of nice goals, a really nice left foot goal from uh, deep in the pockets. I think it was in the last quarter, but uh, didn't really rate his game. Or do you say, given that the or just say, given that the second, third quarter balls didn't get down there, it wasn't such a bad game. Yeah, I think closer to the latter. I mean, it wasn't a brilliant game by Brucey, but he still managed the three goals and quarters two and three, as you just said, were an absolute write-off. So I think where does it sit within within his season of what of work? Well, he's kicked 25 goals for the year now. Uh, he's kicked goals every single game that he's played this season. Um, just interestingly, he's jumped above Dermot Brereton and on the all-time goal-kicking uh, list this week, and is is I think seventy-first or in close to the top seventy now of all-time goal kickers. And and I go, do you know what? If he, he's going to end up with thirty to thirty-five goals, you know, you know the. Prinzi said the damn wall's broken and you're still able to play the likes of a butler up forward and you've got Lewis and Cozzy and you then look at what he's given us this season compared to Jack Gunston and we've talked about Jager already and we've talked about Tom Mitchell already and I feel like he's done, you know, Chad, I feel like he's done his role. 25 goals to this point to help support that forward line that's growing and developing. I think once again, it wasn't uh, mid-2010s Luke Bruce, but we know that's not what we're going to get from him. So to to finish a game where we're comprehensively smashed with three goals and 15 touches, uh, I think six score involvements as well, I think it's a monster effort. So I gave him a six. Speaking of six, that would be Jacob's kick. Kaczynski's possession total for the night. He had six disposals, two marks, three tackles, kicked a point. He had uh, six contested possessions, two uncontested. Hang on, how did that cut you right? Oh, sorry. It's six disposals, but then he had, yeah. But the contested possessions were six, uncontested two. He had uh, four score involvements. I took two marks, one of which was contested. Had a clearance. He had... Um, eight centre bounce attendances, eight ruck contests, and he's had hit outs. He had four. Danny? Dropped six marks as well, I think, on the night. Um, yeah, not great. Uh, I I really like Cozzy. I like the intensity he brings to the contest. I like that he rarely loses a contest. Uh, his colours were well and truly lowered on Friday night. He, not saying it would have changed the outcome of the game, but he had a couple of opportunities in the first quarter when we were really flying to um, get involved and kick a goal. And he dropped an absolute sitter, I think with about 15 or 30 seconds to go in the first quarter. Um, We could have gone, you know, five or six goals up, whatever it would have been then. And, it just sort of set the tone for the rest of his night. I thought he was actually at his best when he was in the ruck. Um, up forward, he was just, just, I don't know. He wasn't, he wasn't at the races. Um, and Mitch Lewis needed some help. Like they, 
they the dog's defense worked out pretty quickly that that's the threat stop that and um they stopped the ball from getting to mitch lewis at all in the second quarter and we had no other we had no other outlet or no other uh option tall option uh forward so yeah very disappointing i'd i'm gonna give him a three um i hope he bounces back next week because i really rate the potential of a Cozzy Lewis combination, especially if Gunston comes in next Gunston week. Gunston back this weekend to actually spread them out a bit and tell them where to run and where to Yeah, spread. yeah, just to, make a big to spread the load. Yeah, I how think. Many, um, it'd be interesting how many games the three of them play this year, I think, Benny. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's important that we see what they can do with the three of them together. Um, yeah, uh, but he he wasn't good on Friday night. It's, an, it's another black mark against the decision, and we've talked about it so much this year, the decision to come into the game, to the season, sorry, with three Ruckman. Uh, and I feel really sorry for Cozzy and Nash. Nash had six hit outs. Why is Connor Nash playing in the Ruck? Full stop. It should be the same with Cozzy. Like, we want him to be this partner in crime for Mitch Lewis. Why is he playing in the in the Ruck? And I mean, we know the answer to that. Even seeing Callow had 22 hitouts in the ruck for Box Hill. Like, yeah, again, it goes back to the actual horrible decision at the start of the year. Um, potentially, I mean, we know that Ramsden's a talent, but potentially also becomes a question that we'll see over the next sort of 10 weeks. Should we have taken, we talked about it during the draft frenzy, should we have taken a big body? I know, Ash, you would have been all four at one point. Brooksby coming in when there were the rumours just to have a body to support the structure and these kids. And I don't know what the answer is, but watching Cozzy the other night, I felt so sorry for him. That's not how he's supposed to be playing footy. I felt sorry for Max Lynch who was sitting about five metres from me on Friday night, uh, yet again, um, watch, watching the Hawks. Because, uh, again, it'd be nice to see what they can actually do with him and Reeves in the team together. We'll get to Reeves short. My, my concern, though, is if Lynch does come back from concussion from his concussion eventually, which you'd expect he will, and they play the, the, two, the two rucks, it's Cozzy's position that he's taking. Because you're not going to play two rucks, Gunston, Lewis, Cozzy. Because you're going to have one of those rucks as a resting forward, yeah. so that's Cozzy. That's Cozzy's spot gone. Yeah, but as we get towards the end of the season, isn't the question going to be whether you'd play Cozzy or Gunston? Possibly. Yeah. But don't forget, this is the season. As I wrote in the um, in my observations today, it's almost unfortunate that they're playing games this year because it's really just about they just want to see what combinations work. And they will probably have a game where they'll, they'll have to say to Cozzy. So we're dropping this week because we need to see how it can work with um, with Lynch and um, Reeves in the same scene. And when McAvoy comes back, and now they're flanking, he'll probably play three or four games for the end of the year, how that works as well. So they've got That's a bit point. Of, a lot of uh, working out to do. Liam Shields, Andrew, 10 disposals, two marks, four tackles, did not score, equal time, defensive and offensive half. He had five contested possessions. He had three turnovers, two intercept possessions, three score involvements, 
106 meters gained, one clearance. He had zero center bounce attendances. Not the sort of game that makes you think they should play him for all that much longer that uh, he's holding, but basically just holding the fort until they really think Josh Ward might be ready to play again. Liam Shields, Tom Phillips and Dan Howe walk into a bar. <laughs> no, no, okay, okay. But like, I don't want to half, I don't want to half on it. We all know, like, it's just not a good, wasn't a good performance. I don't think he's played a decent game this year. We know where it's tracking. We know he's a 250 gamer at the club. We know he's a legend of the game. Let's just, uh, let's maybe just leave it at that out of respect for what he's done for the club and move on. But, um, yeah, he would be having discussions already, I'm sure, with the powers that be about what next year looks like or maybe doesn't look like. Um, yeah, because I think the, the value add from Pup being on the list is well and truly gone. Certainly on game day it is. Rating? Uh, two. Ooh, you're a hard man. Okay. What would you what would you have rated him, Ash? Three. Um, Sam Butler. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the ratings I ask you. Take the glasses off. <laughs> uh, Sam Butler, Danny, nine disposals, three marks, a tackle, a nice goal. He had uh, 77% of his time in the offensive half, 56% disposal efficiency, five contested possessions, five score involvements. Uh, two contested marks, 110 metres gained, one inside 50, uh, no set of bounce attendances for him just yet. Um, I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I like him. Well, you're not the only one. Everyone in our group chat except Brad likes him. Um, <laughs> and, and I even think Brad likes him. I think um, there was calls maybe in the, halfway through the third quarter um, from Brad that he needs a rest. And we see an eye <laughs> from mid-game <laughs> just saying, no, 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 you, this kid's got something special. He's got X factor. He's got something about when he's around the contest, something happens. Now, it's not always good, but a lot of the times he has a positive impact. And you could see that at Box Hill early in the season. Um, Andy Otten said it in one of his um, – post-match sort of write-ups, the uh, the most positive man in the world, Andy Otten. Uh, and, I, I mean, I saw it too in the games that I watched him play. I thought there's this, like, a bit of, like, I don't know, electricity. I reckon, I absolutely guarantee he is a charismatic dude because he just has this persona about him that he's a bit of a lad, jovial, um, but he loves to crack in. Um, and we, I was, I wasn't sweating at all. I was just going, man, I just want him to show some of those qualities. And that last quarter that he had, um, I think, uh, I think I was sending Weesey hard eyes, um, just going, our boy, our boy. Uh, he, he kicked a goal, took a couple of really good marks. Um, I think he set one up. He, um, put a couple of, I think a couple of tackles or pressure, pressure acts or whatever. And look, He's playing one of the hardest positions to play as a young kid coming into AFL footy when your team's not great because there's long periods of the game where the ball doesn't get to you. And in the last quarter, he was actually playing almost exclusively out of the square. Um, he was our deepest forward. There was one stage where it was Pagan's paddock 
with Sam Butler as our Wayne Carey. It was, it was, I don't know what was happening, but um, there was just him and his man in the forward 50 and everybody else was cleared out of there. So it was really, it was really interesting to watch from an in the ground um, perspective, but I, I really, I really like him. I really like the cut of his jib. Uh, we've only seen flashes. We've only seen moments, but those moments tell me there's a really good player there and I'm excited for what he's going to bring. I think he'll be a really good high half forward for a couple of years. And I think eventually he transits transitions into sort of a mid forward hybrid mid forward which um which which we need um i give him i give him a five it's just a pass mark because he's a kid if he wasn't uh a kid i mean he only had nine touches um if he if if that was luke bruce you're giving him a two yeah but um because it's because it's a a 19 year old kid in his sixth game of afl footy he can have a pass mark the next kid uh I also posited in the uh, player in the review article that um, I'm not sure the rising star selectors look at seven goal losses, but uh, they should. Donald played really well, played really well. 19 disposals, flew out of the gates, uh, four marks, a tackle, kicked a point. Um, he had uh, seven contested possessions, 11 contested possessions, two goals, six score involvements. 280 metres gained, he had a clearance, he had four centre-bounce attendances. I haven't got the figures, but that would have been pretty much, I reckon, he's close to his most for the season. Um, he looked really, again, no one who, the spell combination of the bye and the week or two at the VFL, he looked really fresh and up and about. And uh, again, it should not see a box hill jumper for the rest of the year, Andrew. Yeah, no, I think clearly the masses are enjoying what they're seeing from Conor McDonald. I agree with you totally. He should be playing the rest of the season in the team. Those six score involvements, like, to consider the fact that, I mean, we still put 83 points on the board, right? So we still had 23 scoring shots. So he was involved in a quarter of our, you know, of our plays that resulted in scores, which is significant. Again, when, when you compare it with someone like Jager, who's meant to be an offensive midfielder who had two, um, but it's what he does. It's the silk, it's the poise. You just love seeing the ball get into his hands and what he does with it. And there's one time he stuffed up. It was a really good piece of play. Then up, Heading to the northern end of the ground, podcasts where you were, Danny. But they made, it's a bit, but then the last movement they got it wrong. Didn't up getting a score. Should have been a goal because they had. Yeah. They they got out for some reason. I think and I think he made the wrong decision with ball in hand. But he was also involved in the build up to get it there. And it was just it's a, it was really impressive until that last 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 bit of play. What I find really interesting, and this, I mean, this isn't usually me, and I'm really enjoying, I'm actually enjoying the rebuild, is that when that happens to someone like him, you just go, oh, that, like, that's really crap. Oh, oh, well, what can you do and move on? Like, again, if it was one of our um, older guys, our more experienced guys doing that, I'd be far more up with the fact that you know there goes a goal begging but like you said he's involved in the lead up and I compared that there was that on the full from Will Day was that against the Bombers um 
You know, yeah. it's horrible. It was so uncharacteristic. And I mean, we've with Will Day, we've put this mass expectation on him, but he's still a kid and only played not that many games. So it adds to the experience and you go, you know what, he'll learn from that. Um, but more often than not, you still, again, enjoy seeing the ball get into his hands and wait to see what he's going to do with it with excitement. So I gave him a six um, and, yeah, should not miss another game this season. He's so crafty and clever already, isn't he? Like, he's exciting to watch because when he gets gets it, you think he's going to have a positive impact on this chain of possessions, whatever it is. And he just does, like... No, he's not electric. He's not, um, he doesn't have these like physical attributes that you go, he's going to burst out of this pack or he's going to do this, but he kind of glides around and he's very smooth in the way that he moves and very, very clever with his ball use. Um, I, I, I love him. I love him. And that, that's really important because there are so many times I, I feel it less as each game goes on that you think when he gets it, like, he's going to get tackled or like he's going to get physically beaten at a contest or, but like you said, he's just got that sort of poise about him to be able to already know his surroundings to not necessarily have that pace, but to be able to make decisions based on the fact that he is already, you know, seen everything open up in front of him and what he needs to do with it. So yeah. Homework for questions of spaces. Uh, and we'll throw it to the group on Wednesday night as he had a better first year than Will Day had in 2020. But we'll talk about it on Wednesday night. Ned Reeves, Danny, this is yours. I think you want to say something about him. Eight disposals. He had Mark, two tackles, kicked a goal. It was actually quite a nice kick for goal, uh, big Ned. All his, uh, he had eight contested possessions. He had one intercept possession. He had... Um, he took the one mark, as I said, 38 metres gained, 31 hitouts. I'm not sure how that compares to Jordan Sweet. I don't have that in front of me. He had 27 centre bounce attendances, 67 ruck contests all up. You have some thoughts? So he started like a house on fire and he fed our mids beautifully early in the contest. And you could see because we his hitouts were to advantage. We were streaming onto them. The delivery into the forward fifty was good. Um, we were kicking goals. Everybody was looking a million bucks. I think he faded, um, and I just don't think he's got the level of fitness that AFL caliber ruckman need. And Sweet got back into the game. Ended up having more hitouts than Reeves by Sweet one. Sweet played really well, I reckon, after quarter time. Sweet was very good, and started at least holding his own in the, in the ruck hitouts in the center square. But the problem I had was whether it was our setup in that, in that center bounce, or it was just miscommunication more often than not, even when Reeves was winning it in the second and third quarter, he was tapping it to Western Bulldog player advantage. He wasn't finding, he wasn't finding our men at all. In fact, he was actually, he put a couple down Liberatore and Bontempelli's throats. I thought, man, they would, they would be salivating if they got that sort of service from their own Ruckman and they got it from Reeves. Now he's a young Ruck and he's a very inexperienced, I'm not going to slaughter him, but it was massive swing from really, really good early to I was watching him going, man, like just 
just try to null just just try to get one straight down and let us compete. Like he was just putting it in the sweet spot for the dogs um, to to win the to win the that ground ball each time, and that was uh, that was a bit of a shame. Um, but he re- he really looks like he needs a secondary ruck who can actually ruck, who can relieve him, so he doesn't have to run out because he he looked gassed by the second quarter to me. Um, so I'd give him I'd give him a five. Um, I, I really want to see him get a bit more of the ball around the ground, be a bit more of an aerial threat. Um, the one mark that he did take was from a Connor McDonald kick while he was being tackled, which came off the side of the boot. And um, he took a good mark. It was a good mark, but you just don't see him around enough, impacting enough contests yet. And for the for a guy of his size, you'd like to see a little bit more of that. Okay, finally, of the players. Uh, no, we've got two. We've got blank two. Oh, of course, blank. Yep. No, I'm so used to not having a 36. I two more to go. James Blank. Where do we have James Blank? I went straight to uh, to the uh, Bradley medalist, John Newcomb. Uh, James Blank on debut had 10 disposals, two marks, a tackle. He had three contested possessions. He had one turnover, five intercept possessions, three score involvements. He had 196 metres gained. He had, I don't know how many spoils he had. I don't know if that's that in front of me, but I do notice that a couple of, he, a couple of his spoils were great, but he didn't get enough purchase on the, on the spoils and they ended up causing goals. But he had the right idea in trying to kill the contest, but just didn't quite to punch the ball probably as far as he should have. But uh, again, I think this is the Hawthorne Box Hill Alliance to me, Chase. He, he, he stepped in and knew where 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 to be and where he was supposed to be pretty much from the start, had great familiarity with the rest of the team. Um, so I thought it was a pretty good and promising debut for him and would love to see him and DGB playing alongside each other uh, with Sicily and Scrimshaw and Hardwick around him for the rest of the season. Andrew? Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic debut and you come away from the game with super confidence that we might have found, you know, we've been asking for so long, who who are they going to be? Who, where are the big defenders going to come from? And um, I totally agree, Ash, there were two huge spoils and they were big spoils. Like he got to packs and contests and killed the ball, except it would go up in the air five metres and fall to a crumbing bulldog spot. There's one... Uh, it might have been Scott or oh, I can't remember who the dog player was. Literally ran behind the pack and collected it, it in the it golf kicked, square. Yeah, kicked out of midair or something, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, it was exactly like what we were just talking about with Conor McDonald. If that was Frost doing it or Hardigan doing it, you're like, you need to actually have killed that ball and you'd get frustrated. Whereas straight away, the first instinct is, that is a terrific spoil. That is a terrific contest. And it's just bad luck that it resulted in a goal. But he did his job at that point in time. So um, for me, his spoiling was fantastic. He wasn't scared to um, get crunched and to go into, into packs. Um, he wasn't scared when he had the ball as well to hold on to it for an extra second before disposing of it. And already, like, I go... 
you know, he, he should probably be our number one key defender pick for the rest of the year. Like, that sounds stupid after one game for a mid-season draft pick, but he should be our key back, right? And then whether or not it's Sicily, uh, Sicily whether it's not that it's DGB and we all want to see them be playing together, how you fit in a one of Frost, Hardigan, um, obviously Sicily's in there as well. Whatever it looks like, he should be playing games for the rest of the season. Done. Yeah, there's, that, there's, there's absolutely no reason not to play him for the remainder of the year. Um, just pump gains into him and see how he does. And I think, I think the game is the way the game played out is really indicative of how we might view his game because when the Hawks midfield was breaking even or winning and the supply was pressured, the Bulldogs supply into their forward line was pressured. He was beating his man, whether it was Hugo Hagen or Norton, he beat them or he nullified the contest. I think with the spoils that didn't clear the area, there's got to be some onus also on our smalls to stay on the ground and, and stay with their man, like back your big men in to, to, to do their job. And then you do your job. Um, and we didn't do that. Cause if you have a look at the goals that were kicked from spoils of, of contest, no Hawk players anywhere near it. The one we're talking about, um, I can't remember who it was who kicked the goal, but Blank got back up after his first spoil to get and try to impact the next. There was nobody else near the near the ball. Um, but I think he just got a little – he just got overrun in the midfield and the supply was so good. And when somebody like Bontempelli is putting it down Norton's throat uh, or Hugo Hagen's throat, in the end he just got a bit overwhelmed by the amount of ball coming into, the, into our defensive 50. And there's no shame in that whatsoever. Righty, Andrew? I gave him a five and a half. And I think uh, I, I think the worst thing that could happen out of him playing 10 games is like he's not ready, but gets that experience at the level. So what does it matter versus Kyle Hardigan playing for 10 more games? Like the, 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 No, I can he, it's just, and he, like, actually good with ball in hand as well. He's a really good kick for Backman. So, uh, no, he... Uh, Two of say they found a player, but it was a very promising start. John Newcomb, 19 disposals. He had five marks, four tackles, and a goal. He had um, five contested possessions. He had five score involvements. He had 22 centre bounce attempts, which I think makes him the leader for the night. Um, Danny? Look, he was still part of the midfield unit that got smashed, so... I don't like saying bad things about Jai because I'm a Jai stan, but um, but he he couldn't turn the ship and neither should he be expected to, to be honest. Like he's 20 years old and, um, you know, we, we talked about managing our young guys um, and, you know, Ward's been managed once or twice. McDonald was managed. Um, Brad's calling for Butler to be managed. Jai Newcomb has not been managed all year. He has been a starting midfielder as as a 20 year old in his first full season on a on a on a Hawthorne's list and it's a phenomenal effort that he's still this late in the season racking up um 19 touches against a quality midfield unit so I give him a six um I think he was good there was one moment where he needed to give I think it was in the first quarter even he needed to give the ball early he didn't he second guessed himself 
And then he turned on his left foot and he grubbed one straight to the dogs, the dogs um, player, opposition player. And then I, I, either they, they had a shot on goal or something happened, but I just thought, okay, I don't know how good his left foot is. I actually hadn't seen him kick too much on it. And that was not a great one. So, um, you know, but he, that just proves he's human. Um, but I thought he was, I thought he was still very solid and one of our better midfielders on the night. Um, question for both of you, Sam Mitchell, how, how did the coach go? Yeah, I thought um, it was really interesting to hear him say at three-quarter time, uh, he said he wasn't going to, you know, that there was nothing that needed to be changed other than they needed to do what the, the players were supposed to do, needed to do what they were supposed to do and actually go and win the contest and win the ball. And, you know, I think uh, I'm sure there are a few other things that he actually did, but... Um, yeah, I, I like that he's brutally honest at, at the press conferences. He loves a cliche, uh, and I think the not tough enough for long enough, um, I think he actually spouted that three times in the course of a three-minute section within the press conference. Um, he Fair loves call too. Lack of footy IQ. He loves them, weren't capable of matching it with them. Loves uh, they're a really good side, um, and you know he's playing the role perfectly. He's got he knows what to say. He's got to say that stuff. He knows exactly what he's doing from a rebuild point of view, um, and has plenty to work on from a uh, from a uh, Monday review point of view before moving on so um neither here nor there i think he'll he'll have taken a fair bit out of it i think i think he's absolutely right i think um if you look at the way we started we started beautifully right and we were on top we were we were matching them they stepped up their level of intensity and it but if you look at the second quarter i don't know if you felt like this ash as well um but i felt like we weren't that bad in the second quarter but we didn't execute well and it was us breaking forward and Connor McDonald's one might've been one of those moments we're talking about us breaking forward as a team and doing some really good things, but then letting ourselves down and then on the turnover, the dogs would score. But that third quarter, something happened. We didn't go with them. Like Mitchell said, we weren't tough enough and they absolutely put us to the sword. And um, that was really the most disappointing thing. So I hope he roasts them for that third quarter during the week. I, I thought after the 10-minute mark in the second quarter, we were non-competitive. And yeah. I, was, I came at halftime thinking, I can't believe it took, it took them until time on late in the second quarter to hit the front because I felt the way the game was being played, um, they were well on top from, from that but, stage. So, anyway. so that was a problem though. Because everyone could see it. Like, you could see it even towards the end of the first, like, when they scored their goal. You could see it in the second quarter. Like, it was coming. It was building. It was building. We needed to hit the scoreboard, but we also just needed to stem that wave that was forming. But Just, just get some hands it. on the footy, yeah. And Tom Libertoro is doing what, what, whatever the hell he likes as well, including, and this is why I want to mention these, including manhandling Tom Mitchell at a stoppage that uh, was totally missed by the umpires. How, and I want a rating out of 10 collectively for Chris Donlan, Lee Housen and John Howarth. Uh, oh, good, Bob. No. <laughs> that that was not what? the best umpired game of football of the season, that's for sure. 
it's it's really hard because as you're you've been well aware for years and years and years about my general attitude to the umpires and I pretty much blame them every single week for something but again in this development cycle I go they clearly weren't responsible for anything in terms of the game being won or lost and whilst there were some absolute doozies it's like whatever two goals I mean again in a seven goal game it should make a difference but they happened at critical time when Mitchell got absolutely manhandled by Libertor, the umpire was very right in front of where I was. We thought maybe the umpire didn't see us, which is my theory that boundary umpires should be able to play free kick because it was right in front of the boundary umpire's nose. Mitchell gets absolutely manhandled stoppage and stops thinking he's going to get the free kick. And effectively, there are a man down the contest, they sweep balls out down the other end of the ground and score. And then the game was already shot, but just Josh Tunkley free kick. For over the shoulder. Oh my gosh! The worst again. That was against Scrimshaw, right? One of the worst I've ever seen. He ducked down and Scrimshaw touched his back. Biggest duck you've ever seen. Oh my gosh! That's what the Bulldogs bless them, and that's what they get away with. And their supporters still have the temerity to boo every time they don't get a free kick. So it's like, well, and so as I said, they're now plus sixty-six, I believe, for free kicks. Wow! This year the Bulldogs wasn't didn't make a difference to the results. Hard to stomach, game, though. But it was 7 nothing at one stage in the first quarter, I think, and that's when Hawthorne were winning, so, and playing their best footy when they hadn't had a free kick. So, It will make a difference to them when they come up against a tougher opponent or longer, and they're not that many free kicks in front. Like, that but makes a but huge But their record is what there is, and that's all they have played teams that are tougher and longer and beaten them. And, and still been playing. getting the free. Still getting the free kick. So, um, tell you what, though, obviously we've gone through everyone, but you just wonder if Tim English and Bailey Smith were playing, uh, we would have been torn at another one entirely. Like, I hate to think what they would have done to us on the weekend. Uh, yeah, this is this is true. And Hawthorne, I mean, Hawthorne had three goodish goodish players missing. Um, this is a weekend. They, this is a game they they missed a few times. They, they missed McAvoy in they missed McAvoy on Saturday night. They really did miss McAvoy. Just a, a, a calm head, you know. He would have gone played. They would have put him in the back line in the second quarter. He would have been in the back line in the third quarter, and just not. I'm not sure everything would have happened. And again, wouldn't. Have, Made different to the result, but they've missed their skipper a few games this year, and this was this one in particular. The Essendon game was another one where they're just crying out for look at that, that game. And the McAvoy plays against Essendon, they probably don't lose just because he would have done things to help them win the game or keep the lead or not get run over the way they did. Anyway, that has been our player review. We've gone on, we've spoken a very long time about not a great night for footy, but when Danny comes on, we just sorry, no, we give him the floor because he's. A man of, of wisdom. So we'll be back with the spade. Can you join us Wednesday night or are you, uh, you join us in progress? Should be good. Should be good. Thank you. Listen, all right. Well, we'll be back Wednesday night. We're going to be back to hardcore football. We had a bit of feedback on the Brad Bench and some liked it, some didn't. So we're going to, uh, Brad wants to do it every week, by the way. He's got a list of things he wants to talk about every week, but I think we'll park it for later on in the year. But um, I think Brad wants his own spin off show. That's, yeah, what, that's what he's angling for. <laughs> Brad and his artist. 
Um, we'll be back to hardcore football this week. Plenty to get through. We're going to start thinking about some medium to long term questions about the footy club as well and the team on at the space. So we'll join everybody then from about 8.25. Danny, thanks for stepping in tonight. Thanks for having me, guys. For the snow bunny, we'll look forward to getting a full report about uh, about how Darren went on the ski runs and the tobogganing and everything else. We joined us on Wednesday night. Andrew, thank you once again. Thanks, Ash, and I give Prinzi a nine and a half out of ten. Great job yeah, tonight, Prinzi. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Um, Too kind. Thanks, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders, and we will talk to you again on the spaces on Wednesday night. Enjoy the start of your week.